for every time the sun didn't shine. Thank you for every lonely night. I prayed till I knew everything was all right. And I thank you for the valley I walked through today. Life can't be all sunshine or the flowers would die. The rivers would be desert, all barren and dry. Life can't be all blessings or there'd be no need to pray. So I thank you for the valley I'll walk through today. Thank you for every hill I climb, for every time the sun didn't shine. Thank you for every lonely night. I prayed till I knew everything was all right, and I thank you for the valley I walked through today. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. I have lived a life of sin in this world I'm living in. I've done forbidden things I shouldn't do. I ask a stranger on the way if he could tell me where to stay, where I could find sweet happiness and love that's true. Across the bridge there's no more sorrow. Across the bridge there's no more pain. The sun will shine across the river and I'll never be unhappy again. Follow the footsteps of the king till you hear the voices ring. They'll be ringing at the glory of the Lamb. The river of Jordan will be there. Sound the trumpet they shall hear. And behold the precious peace known to man. Across the bridge there's no more sorrow. Across the bridge there's no more pain. The sun will shine across the river and I'll never be unhappy again. 
I have lived a life of sin And this world I'm living in I've done forbidden things I shouldn't do I ask a stranger on the way If he could tell me where to stay Where I could find sweet happiness And love that's true Across the bridge There's no more sorrow Across the bridge There's no more pain The sun will shine Across the river And I'll never be unhappy again Alright, I'm going to try to pull all of this together By the help of the Lord I'm going to go in one way and come out another The in-between is what's got me worried If you'll stand, we're going to read out of Jeremiah, the 6th chapter, the 16th, and then through the 19th verses. Jeremiah 6, 16 through 19. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way, and walk therein? And you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Therefore hear, ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon the people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words or to my law, but rejected it. Let's turn now to Judges, the second chapter, reading 7 down through 13 reading a little lengthy tonight but I'm trying to lay a foundation here going two ways tonight Judges the second chapter 7 through 13 I won't go 8 through 13 and Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old and they buried him in the borders of his inheritance in Timonath Here's in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, 
which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. Of the gods of the people that we were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal at Ashtroth. And I want to turn now to Jeremiah the 35th chapter. I'm going to read out of this, read verses 2 and 5 and 6. Go into the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Fifth verse, And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. My thoughts going to be tonight, there arose another generation that knew not God. Let's pray. You can be seated. I chose my thought there in Judges. There arose a generation that knew not God. Also said they knew not the works of God. Brother Elders, I often wonder if we are now raising a generation that knows not God. Now what this was speaking of was Israel at this time. Israel was a type of the church in that day. Now I'll tell you the way I feel and the way I preach. The world is already lost, but we got problems in the church if we're going to save the church. We're living in a day of apostasy. We're living in a day when everything's right. But here we have Israel, and they had been under Joshua, their fathers had, and Joshua had brought them into the land of Canaan. And Joshua died at 110 years old. Then they brought in the judges. But those that were before this generation were instructed of the law. They knew the commandments. They had access to it. They knew what had happened with their forefathers. They knew all the miracles that God had done. But here arose a generation that hadn't seen any miracles. It knew not God. Why didn't they know God? Why didn't they see any miracles? It's because they worshiped the gods of the Canaanites. He told them to not worship the gods of the Canaanites. Do not marry into them. Do not intermingle into them. The Bible is always stressed out through the entirety of it that we're to be a separated people, but somehow we can't get that in our minds. He meant for Israel to be separated from the gods of the Amorites, be separated from the Canaanites, and not to worship Baal or to worship Ashtoreth or none of the gods. And they knew what their forefathers had taught them. They knew what was right and wrong. And today in Pentecost, we know what's right and wrong. The next generation may not, but this generation knows what's right and wrong. We still got elders in the church today was in the early century and saw the great manifestation of God's spirit and the great revival, saw all the great healings and all the campaigns 
saints in the early church. And they have told us about it and told us about it. But also they have taught us that we have to have prayer, dedication, and consecration. You see, you will never get anything from God as long as sin lays at the door. If you want a blessing from God, you got to be clean. And that's the way it is with the church today. The church today, the reason they don't have the miracles, the reason they don't have all the great things that God has promised, because they have allowed the gods of the world to come into the church of the living God. It's all right, it's gonna get tight, but I'm gonna preach anyhow. I'm gonna get on down there in a minute. I'm laying me a foundation. It's that seek for the old paths. We don't need any new ones. We've got a job trying to find the old ones. Now Israel, there arose a people that would not worship God. God brought them prophets and preached to them. But still they wouldn't turn to God. They'd cry and they'd weep, but they would not quit worshiping their false gods. They would not clean it out of Israel. They'd set up and let Jeremiah prophesy to them, and they would sit and bawl and squall and go right back and condone what's going on. But I'm here to tell you there's a time now for the preachers of God to make a stand and the saints of God, because in the midst of a people that does not know God, there is a people that does know God. There is a church within a church. You need to get worried about that. God's coming after a church that has made herself ready. One that's alive and remain. There's going to be somebody serve God and it might as well be you and me. I've got some spirits tonight that's kicking at me but it's all right. You know, every night, every time you have the last night of revival, the old devil always does this. He's wanting it to die on the vine so you can remember the last night and forget everything else God ever done. But the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. So I just told on him. Now, you know what's going to happen now? Since I told on him, y'all are not going to let that happen. We're going to leave victorious just like every other revival because I'm going to stay with it till we do. God ain't never let me down and he had never failed me. I've got in some tight places, but God's always got me out. But those people never saw the works of God. But the reason they weren't seeing the works of God, they wasn't obeying God. Now we've got more Baal worship in the church today than they ever had. Do you know what Baal worship is? It's worshiping the materialistic goods that you have. Now the gods that we talks about are not necessarily a big old Buddha. The gods are the thing that's the closest to your heart. You love your job and you spend all your time thinking about it and very little on God. Who's your God at? It says you got to put him first. You got to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. That pretty well takes care of all of you. 
if you love pleasures of life more than God, if you can get more enthused over shooting a pheasant than you can praying, you better watch out. If you can get more enthused over shooting a deer than you can a preaching, you better watch out. Nothing wrong with pheasant hunting. Nothing wrong with deer hunting. But it's just what it does to you. You see, it come a time in my life and God had to break me of it that I almost put my business as my God. Oh, I said that wasn't happening. I said, no, no, it's not going on. But now when I look back that that merciful God knocked me down to my knees and drug me out of there, I now see that God almost had me. I just told myself that I was serving God right. I convinced myself I was praying as much as I thought I ought to. I was convincing myself I was reading as much as I should. But I was lying to myself. I'd got to where I believed them. That's bad when you believe your own lies. And the worst deception in the world is to deceive yourself. And there never has been a man that put on a pair of cowboy boots that loved a cow more than D.C. Moody. Them people in India don't love a cow any more than I did. I love them cows. My wife accused me of falling in love with the cows more than her. She said I thought they were more beautiful than her because I talked about them all the time. Every time we'd get in the truck, we'd drive down through the pasture I always talked how feminine that heifer looked. Look how beautiful she is. Be gone for a month and never say a word to my wife. Her sitting in the pickup all along wondering when I'm going to tell her how beautiful she is. But my heart wasn't with her. It was on the cow. Same way with God. It began to grow on me. It began to be my God. Oh, I didn't backslide. I'm not trying to paint you no picture of that, but I would have. That devil is the most subtle beast of the field. He knows what's the closest thing to your heart. And he's going to give you all of it you can get. You just better be able to control it. Better be able to handle it. But I always told God, from the time I ever started in business, God, whenever you want it, I'll let you have it. Now, when you tell God that, you've told him something. Now, it ain't hard when you got a little old naughty calf you paid $20 for. Tell him out in a thicket, I'll give it to him then. But wait about 10 or 15 years later when you've got some herds. And he says, I want it now. That's another story. That's exactly right. 
I'd reached the height of my career. Just got on top. And he said, I want you to go preach. You remember what you told me? I swallowed about two times and by the grace of God I said, yeah. And he took that God away from me. I couldn't understand it till two or three years later. But now I can look back. When I'd come home, I'd sit down at the supper table. They was a handing me the phone and I was a talking about cows. When I went to sleep, I was a dreaming about them. When I woke up, I was a making another deal. The next morning I was headed out saying, hello Lord. Goodbye, Jesus. I'm on my way. I was on a plane here and there. My life getting fuller and fuller of bail. I'd read a little bit. I'd pray a little bit. God get my attention long about midnight. I'd give him a quick prayer. But slowly I was slipping just a little at a time. Why was I slipping just a little? Because I was a strong man. I had strong convictions. You don't get a strong man overnight. You have to work on him. But the devil gets the strongest. Uh, he can take care of the richest. Uh, he can get the biggest. Uh, we're none of us no match for him. He's got all the time in the world. Uh, and he'll lay and work on you hour after hour. He'll put your God out there to where you'll fall in love with it. And it'll become more your priority than anything in your life. Uh, but what God wants you to do, and people get mixed up in the scriptures, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. But nowhere does it ever say that God's going to make you rich. But they had joined the Canaanites and the Amorites. They had become lovers of the things in Canaan rather than the lovers of God. And this generation loves pleasure more than it loves God. This generation counts gain as godliness. They look at a man, why well, car he drives, the house he lives in, the church that he pastors, the congregation that he's got, and they determine how much God he has by that. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it's not the preacher with the biggest congregation. It's not the preacher with the fanciest car. It's not the preacher with the biggest bank account. But it's that preacher that's down on his knees that knows how to touch God. It's that preacher that can preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's who is it who loves God. That's who has got their mind made up. That's who's serving God. You can't look at the monorail and tell how close the man is to God. I'm not telling you anything strange either. You can go to about any gathering in Pentecost and they'll look everybody up and down. I've seen little old preachers that could preach their way around hell and back with fire. But because they had a little old church and their knees were white from praying and the toes of their shoes were turned up and their britches wouldn't fit because they'd been fasting. Hair's all out of sort because they've been praying so much. But when they get at certain gatherings and meetings, 
the noses go up. Which sometimes it'd come a flood at some of these meetings where they could all get drowned. I know we're down at our camp meeting. We've got a woman that thinks that they can't run that piano without her. Whenever they get ready for the music, she gets her little old handkerchief, holds it out just like that, takes them little old mincing steps across the front with her head thrown right straight up. I'm hoping every time she'll catch her high heel in that cord and trip. But God has saved her so far. She gets on that piano. She gets them shoulders right square. Just in the look in her face, well, I'm here. It's ready to begin. You can't make it without me. God hates a proud spirit. Can't stand it. And I can't either. It stinks. If I run that situation, I'd get me somebody out there that didn't know three keys. I wouldn't care if they had on a flower sack dress. I say, get down over there and pray and hit that ivory and let's hear some good old sound music with a Holy Ghost behind it. I'm tired of this acting. But we're a generation that's learning to live without God. We're a generation that has come to not know God because we've allowed so many things to come in the church of the living God. That's why we're where we are today. That's why Israel was in the shape they're in. It's because they didn't serve God with all their heart. They didn't obey the commandments of the forefathers. They didn't do what they were taught. They just joined in with the world and all of its pleasure. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you can read it in history. When people think that because a man prospers that he has got a ticket to heaven, you better read about Ahab. That old boy, he wasn't no slouch when it come to money. He had him a main palace and a palace made out of ivory. He was well set up, but God despised him. But the prophet of that day didn't have nothing but skins on his back, slept in a cave, slept upon leaves and bushes, and he was chased all over the country. And he's the one that went up in a fiery chariot, and Ahab went to hell. So it's not how much money you got, it's not how much God has prospered you, but it's how well you walk and talk with God. Nothing wrong with the things that God's got for you. But you better put God first. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll get down whenever you pray and you need things from God, business or whatever, if you'll always tell God, if it interferes with my walk, don't let me have it. But I'm going to do my best to get it, but you're my God. Don't let me have it if it separate me and you. And if you'll have that kind of heart and you'll pray that way, God will give you whatever you need and God will take care of you and bless you if you're able to meet that commitment and stand upon it. Amen. Now you're not talking to some novice and you're not talking to somebody and already been down the road. I can preach to you from experience. I know what I'm talking about. I've been in courts for about three years over a sum of money, but you know what I told God? 
God, if it's going to hurt my ministry and it's going to separate me and you, you let them fellas have it. It's mine. But you know what's best for me. I'd rather serve God in a pair of blue jeans and a knapsack on my shoulder than have all the money in the world separated from God. When you got God's, you got everything. Because I'm here to tell you, you can take that money and get along pretty well while things is going all right. But wait till the day that you get out on your deathbed and old big C's took over. And they tell you you ain't going to live no longer. Then you lay there when the doctors can't help you. They can just wrap you up in all that money. Won't do you one bit of good. But if you have sought God with all your heart, you have put God first, you could be a millionaire. You could die with a lot of money and lay in that bed and say, Big C, just get with it. I'm on my way to heaven. My integrity's right. I've been serving my God with all my heart, mind, and soul. He's just blessed me along the way, but I have given it all to him in the beginning. It belongs to him anyway, and then you will have your walk with God, and you'll have your blessings also. The reason we don't have a lot of things is because God can't trust us with them. I know people has prayed for God to give me a good job, give me a money, and when God's given it to them, they've walked out on him. But Israel was a generation that rose up that knew not God. But now I won't take you to another setting. I won't take you over to Jerusalem where King Jehoiakim was king. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was coming in and invaded that city. And Jehoiakim, he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord was trying to get the Jews to start serving him, to come out of their worldly worship, to separate themselves from the Canaanites and the Aborites. And the Jebusites. But in the midst of those people outside of Jerusalem, there were some people camped in tents. They lived out there in the desert. And whenever King Nebuchadnezzar came in to take Jerusalem, they moved into the houses. And Jeremiah was a prophet at that time. Now these people were known as the Rechabites. And they had been taught by Jonadab that they was not to drink any wine. 300 years prior to that, he was under the King Jehu. But they had brought that all the way down 300 years. We won't drink no wine. Our children don't drink no wine. Our wives won't drink no wine. And the Bible says that Jonadab was a wise man. That he didn't tell make them do it. 
but his forefathers lived that way. And he lived that way. And he told them not to have any houses. Don't own any land. Don't rent any land. But move in tents. And don't drink no wine. Well, why didn't he want them to drink any wine? Because he had Saul, the drunk of Ephraim. All of them drunks. And he did not want his family to get into drinking to become drunk. And he knew enough of the scripture that we very seldom use. Shun the very appearances of evil. He didn't want them to touch it. Want them to leave it alone. Why didn't he want them to live in houses? Because he didn't want them to put their roots down nowhere. They were a people that did not have any land. They did not have the inheritance that the Jews had. They just traveled over one hill and another. They didn't eat out of vineyards. They eat their cattle and what the milk and off of the land. Now, that is an example unto us. Within that group of Jews, they didn't know God, but there was a people that did love God. They were a people that were on the outside. And whenever they looked at them out of Jerusalem, they looked at them like nomads, like they were tramps. They wasn't dressed the best. They were dressed to live in the desert, old tacky clothes. They never had houses. Why did they live in the tents? Because that was to teach them to not be at ease in the houses where they had the plenty. They learned to live hard. But what the key to this scripture is, they obeyed their elder 300 years back. What Jonah Dab had instructed them, they believed it and they obeyed it. Now God spoke to Jeremiah. He said, bring them into the temple and put pots of wine before them and see if they'll drink it. Jeremiah brought the wine and asked them to drink it. They said, no, we won't drink any wine. He said, well, you have broke one thing. You've moved, into the moved out of your tents in the houses. But I got out of that scripture. You don't never want to be so strict in something that you can't allow God to bless you. They could have sat in the desert and said, God, you told us not to, and we're going to sit and try you. But on the other hand, God was trying them, brought them in there and set the wine before them, and they would not drink it. They said, no, we've been taught all of our lives. Our children hadn't, our wives hadn't, and, our, uh, and we're not going to. We're not drinking no wine. And they would not drink wine. What was God doing? He was using those people to bring a shame unto the Jews to let them know that they would honor that man, Jonadab, when he had instructed them, a man of old, how to live for God, how to obey God. And they held on to the tradition of the elder according to the word of God. And what did God do? He brought evil upon Jerusalem, but he went and blessed those, uh, uh, they blessed those people 
And he blessed them where he cursed the Jews because they would not obey their forefathers. And I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm going to tell you something now. I'm going to get down to the meat of this. We're living in a day when everything is all right in Pentecost. They count gain as godliness. There's more talk today of worldly pleasure. You go down now and sit among people and all they want to talk about, football, basketball, and games. That's worldly pleasure. I'm telling you, in a day we're living in with people going to hell, we ought to have our minds on something more than that. We ought to be studying about what God wants us to do. We're all worried about what's coming up on the world. If we're not careful, we're going to produce a generation that has never seen a miracle, that has never seen God do anything. We're going to produce a generation that knows not God or knows how to talk to God or knows how to pray to God. They are losing now the old-time anointed preaching. They're losing now the old anointed testimonies. They're now losing all the anointed singing and they're bringing in intellectuals, well-learned men, scholars that have been well-educated and now through charisma they are preaching the word. But I'm here to tell you, Paul said, not in eloquent words, not in fancy speech, but a demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. We need people that know how to pray and know how to preach that will bring the word of God we don't want to be in a generation that knows not God. You take whenever I was a boy, you couldn't have hired one of us old country boys to come in a house, church house and do like children do today. We were afraid God would kill us. But we're living in a day when there's no respect for the house of God. No respect for worship. You can be a praying and the anointing can come down. People be crying with tears in their eyes. Big old teenagers running up and down the aisles trying to do acrobats. Wonder God don't kill them. Back in my generation, you wouldn't dare do that. Because I'll tell you what, the first time you got out of your seat, daddy or mama would have you by the ear. One time out and you wouldn't have to worry anymore. But we are a generation rising up that is forgetting the old past. We're now trying to create some new ones. When we come in the house of God, we come in here to worship and obey God. And I'm gonna tell you something tonight. I preach it and I believe it. Before this church ever leaves out of here, you're gonna see some ananas and sapphires. You're gonna see some people killed because God's gonna show this world, I am God Almighty. You're not gonna pollute my house. You're not gonna come in it and make fabric out of it. I will myself, just like he brought the AIDS on the home, homosexuals, he'll one day take this generation and show them he's God. But what happened to those people? They had disciplined themselves. Wouldn't drink the wine. They obeyed Jonadab through discipline because they wanted to do what's right. And they, God honored them. But we're living in a day Whenever you preach the truth, you're an outcast. I was thinking today, Brother Elders, nowadays when a man preaches under the anointing and he tells you what sin is sin, preachers get around and talk about him. 
Labeling. And he hadn't done a thing in the world but tell the truth. But the reason they label him, they ain't got enough backbone and pardon expression guts to preach theirself. And I'm not bragging or anything else, but I'm gonna say it real plain and I don't care who knows it. Nobody hired me and nobody will fire me. I told my wife when I started, I'm gonna preach what God gives me, and the day I run out of some place to preach, I got a cow I can go back to. Amen. Amen. And I'm not aiming for some, span, some preachers that hadn't got enough spine to preach the word of God. They, can't, they may label me, they may talk about me, but they can't stop me as long as I have my integrity with God, as long as I have love, as long as I preach the gospel, as long as I preach the truth, as long as I have a prayer life, there is not nobody in this world can keep me from preaching the gospel. I've got God on my side, and I'm gonna try my best by the help of God to preach to this generation that he can hand down to the next generation on how to worship, how to get a hold of God, how to teach their children that we can have somebody that will be able to preach the word, be able to witness and pray on the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Twenty years ago, if you preached like some of them do today that is popular, man, they put you in an outcast. This is reverse now. I wouldn't give you 15 cents for a preacher that wouldn't tell me I was wrong. If I'm going to follow a man, I want him with some backbone. If I'm going to follow somebody, I want him to have enough backbone to look me in the eye and say, Brother Moody, you're wrong. And if I can't take it, I need to get down and pray. It takes a man or a woman to be able to be disciplined. If you can discipline yourselves, you can handle anything around you. Your biggest problem is you. Your problem's not your neighbor. Your problem's not your pastor. Your problem's not your church. Your problem is big old you. When you can take you and make him line up and make him do what he's supposed to do. You got all you can do. You got a full-time job. And I won't tell you tonight, by the help of God, you can do it, but you can't do it by yourself. But too many people is too busy minding somebody else's business when they ought to be a mind in their own. Instead of telling somebody else how to pray, they ought to be down praying themselves. And telling somebody else how to live, they ought to be living it themselves. Instead of down there telling somebody else what they ought to preach, they ought to be preaching it themselves. Had them tell me that I shouldn't get out here and run up and down the front like I do. That ain't necessary. You ought to stand in the pulpit and have some ministerial, forget the word they used, I ain't very good in words, ethics. It's about how much I paid attention to them. Told them if you preach where I did, you do more than stand in that pulpit. They get theirs by popularity, I get mine by... God to find in a place. And I don't pick the places. I go wherever people need me. And I get in some of them that's done been buried a long time ago. It's hard to raise the dead nowadays. And you're not going to do it by sitting up there reading you a few fancy notes. 
giving a little old bedtime story and telling three jokes and talk about how Jesus loved the world, you're going to explain how Jesus loved the world. You're going to get the attention of some of them people. You're going to get down and dig where it's deep. You're going to bring out the word of God that is going to touch their heart. It's the spirit of God that touches a people's heart. It's not what we've got to say. It ain't what I say. It's what the word of God does through the spirit behind it. I can wallow around here all night and make mistakes and blue blue around, but if God can ever get a hold of that word, it'll find a lodging place. And when it finds a lodging place, all them old ain'ts, thems, and thats, you don't even want worry about because you're the full of the Holy Ghost. You're not worried about what I said. Some of them told me, he said, you ought to take your tapes, Brother Moody, and listen to them, and then you could find all your mistakes and get them all fixed up where it wouldn't sound so bad. I said, I can tell you something right now. I know you're probably proud of yours. I heard one of mine one time and got so sick, I told the wife, throw it out the window. If I ever heard my tapes, I'd never have enough confidence to preach anymore. I said, I don't have to worry about me reading no tape to find it. This Holy Ghost lets me know plenty of them, and I got all I can do to repent over them. And I've never read where you're supposed to edit them anyway. Nothing wrong with preaching another message, but you got to let the Holy Ghost use it. He may want to go east, and you want to go west. You may want to walk down that thin road, but he may want to get off here on something else. I ain't going to let the devil get me in no corner. But we're raising up a generation that knows not God. We got people today that don't even know how to pray. Did you know some people in this revival right now that has not got prayed through? I'm talking about you in the church. I've watched you. And Brother Elders now ain't told me nothing. So you don't get excited. I don't have to have him tell me nothing. But you couldn't feel the Holy Ghost if it's poured all over you. But you ain't be yourself. We've got a generation that's coming up that same way. What brings that about? That is because your mind is down yonder somewhere. Your mind's on some boy, or your mind's on some girl. Your mind's on what I'm going to do when I get out of the church, whether I'm going to go to the Pizza Hut, the hamburger joint, McDonald's, or where. These here Pizza Huts and all this is about ruined penny cost. <laughs> Can't even have an altar call for getting down there to the Pizza Hut. I'll tell you what's more important is let the power of God get down into your heart. You can eat food. I just yeah, everybody's got hands around food. I'll go to preach on a Sunday morning. Brother Moody, now you can preach, but do you be through at 12 o'clock because our people's used to going home. I said, don't call me on a pulpit then. I'm not cutting mine at 12. God cuts it when it gets ready. One preacher called me in one Sunday morning, said, I'm going to give you 30 minutes now and we want out at 12. He gave it me 15 minutes to 12 and I had an hour message. Of course, he was fuming before I got through. I ain't been back, you know. Blood ain't on my hands. I preached. People around the altars, him sold up. I thought, yeah, we're a generation straying from God. But we're living in a day that is dangerous. And I'm going to tell you something else. 
You read the Bible, and we don't never read out of Peter anymore, Second Peter. We don't read in Jude anymore. We don't ever preach out all those things that's coming on the scene about the false prophets, the false teachers, all this thing is coming about. We bypass that because it's got to where nowadays everything is love. Oh, love, love, as long as you love them, it's all right. You know where that doctrine come out of? God's love ain't man's love. He don't love like you do. Them whom he loves, he does what? He chastises. But what do you do when you love? You hug somebody's neck and kiss them. There's a little bit different. What we need to do is having some chastisements out of the old anointing power of the Holy Ghost. That's the love of God. When God gets me down and shows me my wrongs, gives me a good whooping, gets me on the right track, that's because he loves me. He don't want me to go to hell. But we're done forgot all of that. Everybody's got itching ears. They say, tickle my ears. Tell me what I want to hear. You don't want to hear what you want to hear. You want to hear what the Word of God says. But I'm telling you tonight, church, I believe I'm preaching to some people that have got their mind made up. I believe that there's some people here that's not going to drink of the world. They're not going to take the VCR. They're not going to have television. They're not going to get out on the dance floors. They're not bringing ball games into their homes. They're not going to look at worldly magazines for the pornography. I believe in the midst of a church there is a people that loves God Almighty that's going to take the teachings of the forefathers that's been handed down generation after generation and says, no, I don't care what you do or what you conform to, but I've got my foot on the rock and my mind made up. I don't intend to give in. I don't intend to turn back. I'm going to hold on to the truth that my forefathers had brought down. I'm going to take what I've been taught and I'm going to live what God has given me. I don't intend to turn way left or to the right. I'm going to obey the Word of God. Amen. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Some of you may not be trying to get what I'm, may not listen to what I'm talking to. And I know this is not a real fiery message. But I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not telling this to be a, making anybody feel good. But I've been around the bucket far enough to get a drink. I didn't come in on the last train. Don't you worry about that. But you better take what you've got right here with your pastor in your church. You better love it with all your heart. I'm not going to name districts or states, but I can name some states that's got high as 100 churches. You can't find five that you can preach under the liberty of the power of the Holy Ghost and get right down to the roots of it. You can't get a demonstration of the move of the Spirit. They don't want it. Five or six churches out of a hundred. You better thank God you've got a preacher that'll set up and tell you what's wrong. You better listen to him when he tells you what's wrong. He's not telling you that because he wants to run you off. He's trying to win people, not lose them. You better take and listen to the man of God when he tries to tell you you better straighten up. You better get your life right. You better get the rebellion out of your heart. You better get out and pray through because you're going to be lost. He's telling you that because he loves you. He's telling you that because God has talked to him about you. Oh, somebody hadn't come and gossiped to him. You don't have to tell a preacher what's going on in a church. I can preach in one one time and begin to pick out all the problems. 
In this revival, I could walk back and lay my hands on every one of his backslidden heart. I've never even said nothing to him. But what if the next generation worships like you do? What if they come in the church? They sit on the pew. They claim to be a part of it. And you can't tell me the Spirit of God hadn't touched you. I've saw it touch you. But you'll get down and you'll pray just long enough till you think everything's all right around the altar and you get up and you head out. Or you'll sit there with your hand in your head and you'll daydream. All you're doing is dreaming your way to hell. You're getting right where those Jews was and where those Israelites was. You got some gods in your heart and you might as well get them out. You might as well take them out and put them on the altar. Because what's going to happen to you, you're fixing to lose out with God. But on the other hand, everybody in this church that has been a longing and been a waiting for a move of the Spirit of God, that has been praying and their lives is clean, God's going to come down and he's going to touch their hearts. The true worshiper's going to worship him in the last day. He's going to come down and bless them. But the Bible tells me in the time of harvest, he said, I'm going to take the tares out of the wheat and the fields are white right now. Brother Elders, you don't have to worry about taking anybody out of the church. God God's going to take them out. He's already weeding them out. All of them is getting in the way. It's going to get run over. You might as well get your mind made up because the Bible says he's coming back after a people that has made themselves ready. And there is some people that's going to get themselves ready because he's going to have a church and he's going to have a people. He always had and he always will. It looked like they had him in Noah's day, but he had old Noah. It looked like in Elijah's day, all Israel failed him, but he had him some prophets hid away. And he's got some people today that's gonna not going to give in. They're not going to back up. They're not going to compromise. They're not going to conform to the world, but they're fixing to obey God according to his word. They're going to teach it, and they're going to preach it. thought to myself today I'd like to be a saint just sit here in this church oh brother you're a preacher that's right well a lot of you people make mistakes you think us preachers that are called ask for this job I wasn't the highest bidder God just told me he wanted me. I got to preach to be saved. I got to preach to you what I think God gives me in order to be saved. Amen. Had people come around to me and say, oh, Brother Moody, you preachers, y'all got it made. All you have to do is travel around and preach. People pay you and you don't ever have to work. I thought, son, I'd like you to have my job. One thing about it, I ain't too lazy to work. Them same jokers is talking to me. I've worked where they wouldn't work. I'm not afraid to work. I love to work. 
Most preachers do because they have to if they preach. It's a job to preach. But we're raising up a generation, if we're not careful, that's not going to know one bit about praying. I'll tell you what, we've already lost. Sister Elders, and you can remember this, and Brother Elders can too. The old altar workers. I used to remember when I was a kid, you'd have people get around those altars. If you ever got to the altar, that's going to pray you through. It didn't matter if it, they wasn't going to let you go. They'd be there to 3 o'clock in the morning. We had also people in the church that knew how to touch God and pray intercession. When a preacher was preaching, there's some saying on this side and one on that. And Lord God, give him air. Lord God, help him preach. Lord, let him feed me tonight. That's all gone. Now, how much of the gifts do we use? We just only got one we use now and then. Besides discernment out of the preachers, we use interpretation of tongues. That's all we use. A generation that knows not God. What does the Bible say? It says that we have the gifts in the church. We ought to be able to use every one of them. Where is our five-fold ministry? Oh, I don't believe in that. You better read the Word of God. He said, that's what's going to perfect the saints. You're going to have to have that to be perfected. But we've gone so far from God, we don't believe in it anymore. A man come along and say he's an apostle, they'll label him and run him out of the country. But we've got apostles preaching right today. You know what apostle is? He's one that establishes. He's one that goes in a church and preaches and helps establish that church. A teacher teaches to the church. Evangelist comes in and evangelizes to the church. We've got a lot of apostles today. But if they said they was apostle, this generation would run them out of town because they're all so busy on ego trips. Who's got the highest office? There is no high office. There's a five-fold ministry, and one's not above the other. They are all the same, working for the perfection to get the saints ready to get out of here, working together. I have to work with Brother Elders. He has to work with me. If we don't work together in the Spirit, revival's through. Also, the Spirit has to work in the saints. they got to be able to pray, seek God, worship God. Who gets down the power? You do. Why does it say, Zion travails, sons and daughters will be born? I'm going to touch on this right now. You know why we're not having any more children born in the church? I'm going to tell you. Mother don't want no more babies. A mother that wants a baby prepares for it before she ever conceives. She goes to buying the clothes, goes to getting it, baby crib. Then while she's carrying that baby, she's very careful, eats the right food. She takes care of it. Worried continually when it's going to be born of whether it's healthy or not. But does the church, as the mother, do that? No, they say we're going to have a revival. Maybe somebody will pray through. But if mother would start doing like a real mother, hey, I got me one out here I'm wanting to see born. I'm going to go to work on that. And you go to travailing. And you go to talking to them. And you go to witnessing to them. And you go to feeding them, bringing them into the birth. And then when they come in and come in the church and they're born, 
Don't leave them laying there on the altar to die of malnutrition and love. You want to stay in the church? Love them. Now, it says we come as babes, a newborn baby. The true mother can take it and give it to a foster mother that loves it. And the true mother don't want it. And when it begins to love it, it'll take up with a foster mother. Why? All it knows is love. All that newborn babe knows is love. But we're failing our babies, dying at the altar, losing them to foster mothers, going into other movements because Zion won't travail. Travailing means praying, getting down, getting out of bed at night. Can't rest till that baby's born. Got one on my mind. If every one of you got one baby on your mind a year and stayed with it till you got it in the church and it born, took care of it, prayed with it round the altar and the church loved it as a mother and brought it right on into its maturity this church would double every year just think one why do we lose them sometimes it's because we don't love them the birth's not right we hadn't prepared it just right we hadn't travailed hadn't got the power of God down where they could come in and have the genuine birth. Birth defects. Dying at the altar. I'll tell you what, I don't believe in this stuff that you can be born in the kingdom of God and be backslid the next day. Something's wrong. And it ain't God. There's something wrong with the process. Something wrong with us or something. I'm going to blame it on us. And when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. Somewhere mama ain't doing her job. And when we get to doing our job, but we need to learn those old paths. We need to learn how to get down and get hold of God. Pray down the power. Whenever a spirit moves in, discern it. Be able to pray against it. Can feel it. Know what's going on in the church. That's a generation that we're going to have to hand down to another generation. But are we in a generation that knows not God? Have we come to the place that we cannot pray in the spirit have we come to a place that when we come to church it's a ritual have we come to a place when we come to church it's just to endure it's boredom all we're doing is because we know we have to or it's through tradition are we coming in here because we love God we want to serve God we can't wait till we get to the church we can't wait for Sunday morning when I get there I'll be uh, I can feel the power of God I'll tell you when I first got the Holy Ghost I couldn't stay away from church I went to church everywhere I could find one. Why? Because my first love was generating in me. Have we lost our first love? What is it? This church should be the mainstream of our heart. This church should be the heartbeat. This is the greatest thing you've ever had a hold of. You know who's your best friend? It's that one sitting on the pew next to you. You know who will do more for you than anybody else? Somebody that's in the church. You're not going to get nobody out in the world to do it. They'll pray for you. They'll give you food. They'll give you money. They'll help you down when you're sick. They're the ones that's going to take care of you. But we are a Generate, producing a generation that has grown hard, wax cold, has no love for nobody, looking out for themselves. But we've got to break that and come to the place that we are humble before God with love and compassion.
passion and we obey the word of God that we can produce children that are going to be on fire for God through the power of the Holy Ghost and have the Holy Ghost and fire. We don't talk about power or fire anymore. We just talk about tongues. It's more to it than tongues. Tongues is the evidence, but it said be endued with power from on high. We need to pray through to an experience with the power of God down in us and the fire of the Holy Ghost burning down in our heart and then speak it in that heavenly language as the Spirit of God gives utterance. Now, I don't know why God put me on this this last night, and I'm not going to question it. Brother Elders, I'm just going to preach it. But I'll tell you what, I hate to leave this revival for one reason. Tonight, if there's some people here, don't get prayed through. If Brother Elders allows me to come back, I won't see you. Did you know that a church, most of the time, expects a preacher to be anointed at all times and feed them? On the other hand, a church needs to learn whenever the devil comes in to get the same anointing to combat against it. But most people will sit down on a pew and let the preacher struggle. It takes both to have church. And we need to learn that. If we don't, we're going to lose some things that's dear to Pentecost. We're going to leave them old paths, going into some new areas, and be deceived and blinded. We're living in a day of deceit. Antichrist spirit is on the scene. How's he going to do it? Through deception in the church. But tonight, I'm praying that God is going to touch each one of us, that we're going to be where God wants us to, that we're going to grow out of this revival. We have gained ground, not through my preaching, but through our dedication to God, through somewhere the Word of God touched your heart. You got off somewhere and prayed and said, Lord, I see where I'm wrong here, where I'm in error here. I'm going to straighten it up. And then you have lived a better life, and you're serving God better than you was before I came. I'm going to tell you something. This is wound down, but it ain't going to leave this way. So y'all, this is well, it's not all get ready for a dead service because we're not going to leave this way. This is God's church, and this is God's revival. It's not mine. But I'm going to feel after the Spirit, and we're going to get it right up to where it goes, and then we're going to have our altar call. It just takes one touch of the master's hand, and it changes it all. And tonight, we're going to feel after the Spirit. We're not having no altar call until we feel the Spirit of God bring in conviction. And it's going to bring in conviction, and it's going to touch the hearts of those that has a need tonight. And those that have a need, I'd better listen to the Word of God. Y'all stand, and let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise you, Heavenly King. Oh, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, Heavenly Father, let the power of the Holy Ghost move. Oh, sweet Jesus. 
Heavenly King, Heavenly Father, dear Lord God. Saints, I want you to go to praying because we're going to deliver somebody here in a minute. We're going to give that devil a black eye tonight. Oh, yeah. We hadn't dropped the baby. God knows what he's doing. Don't you worry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Heavenly Father, I've been feeling the Spirit to call you, sister. You feel the Holy Ghost all over you, don't you? Huh? I felt earlier to come lay hands on you. Yes, sir. Yes, God's going to give you what you need. That old devil trying to rob you tonight. But God knows what he's doing. You just begin to raise your hands. And you begin to worship him. There's a people here that's going to pray. They know how to touch God. This is a generation of people here that knows how to prevail. They're going to touch the throne of God. They come down in your heart. Right now, you can feel the Holy Ghost in your hands already. You just begin to hold them a little higher and say, God, I thank you. Now, God, just fill me and let me feel your spirit. Lord. Right now, Lord. I love you, Lord. I'm here, Lord. And you promised it to me. I'm now ready to receive it. Lord God, according to your word, here I am. I give my whole heart to you. I give my whole mind, my whole soul. I love you. I want to serve you. I want to be like the Rechabites. I'll not drink wine. I'll not conform to the world. But I'll give you a servant. I'll do that you asked me to. I'll obey you. I'll make a good saint. I'll come to church regular. I'll win others to you. Lord God, just give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord God, right now, Lord, endure her with power from on high. Ili Koshola Mahata. Right now, Lord, let the power of the Holy Ghost. 